Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. But this little dink ball, no one in a crowded area where it's a fist pass, the weight is taken over, hits the ground, and it bounces into a fella's chest. Why do you not do many interviews? Oh, really? Yeah, I must be asked to do a whole pile. Really? Yeah. Have you ever rang me? And they're roaring at me, I coffee, you free state bastard. <laughs> and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> <laughs> Lads, I can't believe we're into permutations already. For God's sake, two games in and we're now going to discuss in part two about what teams need to do to make semi-finals. I was just thinking last year, uh, Brendan Deveni, Leash, Leash uh, drew with Roscommon away and Leash beat Armagh in the first two games. We'd be in the semi-finals already if this year. It was the wrong year for, <laughs> it's the wrong year for us. When we, when we have it this year, we've lost the first two games. <laughs> Surely, uh, well, it's a, it's a bit mad. Eh? I mean, up in our Ulster section here, literally everybody can go up and everybody can go down. Almost scenario. Well, sorry, one day semi final or a relegation playoff. So it's all down to last day. It's a bit of excitement. How much teams are are bothered about it? It's very hard to quantify, particularly from from our Ulster perspective. Fear Willie Booth, the championship is coming down the line, and particularly, I suppose. Listen, not just because I'm a Donegal man, because Donegal are out in the preliminary round, and should they win? Should they get in the semi and won it, the final obviously won't be played. Yeah, it'll be split between the two teams that are in the final and such is the pressure on the season. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Like Kildare well in the mix uh, this weekend. Leash and Kildare, Johnny. Again, we'll get it. We'll get to it in part two. Brendan, I was kind of giving out about these permutations. At least Brendan's kind of putting more of a positive spin on it. It's something to get excited about after two games. Yeah, well, I'm going to. I'm, I'm looking at a positive that Kildare could relegate Leash at the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Relegation playoff. Buddy. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah, but uh, look at it. It's hard to believe. You know, you're you're looking at the first game, the second game, and you're thinking, oh, maybe a bit of form here, or you're looking at different players. Maybe, yeah, I think another game or two. And he's back in up and running. All of a sudden, bang! You know, it's it's uh, you're looking to, to sort out the, the different permutations and stuff like that. So it, I suppose that's the reflective of the year. And you know, it, we're we're funny creatures, us, us uh, GA people. You know, two months ago we just couldn't wait to get it back, and now we're thinking, oh, it's not. Well, I know we're back, but yeah, it could be done better. Do you know that? Sort of <laughs> so well, that's more <laughs> me than GA fans. Yeah, I think, mate, I think you're rubbing <laughs> off on me a bit as well. Will you? Come here, on, a, on, a, on a more positive note, Brendan. So Leitrim are heading to Antrim, for Longford are heading to Fermanagh, Donegal are heading to Armagh, and Monaghan are heading to Tyrone. And what do those four games have in common? If you can get your hands on a ticket from Donegal, if you've a buddy from Armagh. You can drive to the match. You can get a pint before, three or four pints before if you want, a bite to eat. You can come home nice and merry. Someone drive you, obviously. And you can have a great day at a match. It seems so long ago that this is absolutely possible. Yeah, some clamber, Willie. I suppose we used to call the, the, the six counties occupied six. Now we're calling them the vaccinated six. <laughs> uh, fair, fair, fair play to Bojo and the crew. They've, they've got together. I even sneaked them to get me jab, Willie. Uh, I'll explain that one to you later. So I'm good to go as well. <laughs> it's party time again. But no, listen, some, somebody back. I mean, we've seen actually the premiership, even though it's a small amount of fans in, Willie, it makes some, some difference to it. Because yeah. we have got used to it, obviously, now being at games, just covering the last couple of games and Donegal matches. You are used to the way things are. 
you've almost forgotten about it a small bit. So it, it's amazing what a few fans can, can bring to it. And actually, looking back to the final when Donegal played Cavan, I don't know, many Cavan officials were technically in there, but they were going absolutely ape. And it actually created a lot of atmosphere, even from them, uh, whatever 20 or 30 Cavan officials were in the round at that game. So, yeah, I'm excited now to get, get the people back and. NA is uh, leading the way up up in the UK, as Sean Cavan would say. Yeah, exactly. The like, I mean, five hundred because the the reality is the one team gets fifty, the other team gets fifty. Um, they're the people in the ground, and four hundred go on sale. Now they're only supposed to be sold locally. I'm sure people from Donegal, Longford, Leitrim and Monaghan will pull a string or two. There won't be many of them there and they're not supposed to be there, but we know how this will work. Um, but most of them will be from the from the home the home team. And you put three hundred people into a stand. They will make an atmosphere, Johnny, and they will make a difference. Yeah, they'll make a lot of noise and, and you know, as much noise maybe as, as if um, there was 3,000 because like that, they're all home and... They haven't roared know, in about two years. Well, that's the full of... <laughs> they're full of wind to, to roar. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it is. And it can, you know, it's, it will make a difference from a point of view of, of the home team and, yeah. and having that advantage. And you might get the mirror, you know, clap of the opposition to be a few subs maybe uh, but that's all and that could be a daunting enough you know a bit like Galatasaray if you were going up to the Bally Buffet it'd be like welcome to hell or something like that um, but no look at it, it, it it's a sign of things are starting to open and I'm just hoping that we won't be uh, we won't be too far behind down here The the and I suppose if any of the people from Longford Leitrim Monaghan Donegal go to the game they won't be able to clap their team on or they'll get ejected right yeah. so they'll have to say not, like I went to a, I went to a Merseyside derby in Anfield before um, with an Everton jersey underneath my jacket and Everton scored I could I just couldn't say anything I just <laughs> had to keep completely quiet um, and say nothing Park Mirror Park Choice Lads has been speaking this week um, they obviously rebounded really well against Ross Common and he was talking about after the, the Kerry match and he says I'm a proud Galway man myself and I wasn't eating or sleeping well for the first three or four days of the week you're hearing criticism all over the place and rightly so I got criticised at the um, I got criticised and at the end of the day I'm the manager of the team and I'm responsible for how the team plays and how they go out on the pitch I don't know Brendan like I mean as a player I've never lost sleep um, or haven't been able to eat no matter what loss like I mean a loss is a loss and you'd be very disappointed um, but I don't know do managers take losses harder because uh, I suppose in the modern game man, man it, the spotlight is more on them yeah I, I was as soon as I hear a line like that it just it draws me back to them the gaffer the buck stocks with me uh, Staunton <laughs> line which always makes me cringe a wee bit the pride thing too listen my fear lines like that Willie is people are still as, as proud as they are as ever to play I suppose in the football teams and, 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 and represent their county and that but the pride element in terms of I suppose being a galvanising tool, and that has dropped away down. Football now is all about fitness, skills, tactics, you know, preparation. Sure, you can beat the chess just pre-match and that, but really it's about it's about controlled performance more than anything. So the thing about being proud, proud and all that and, and rallying the troops, you know, is only it's, there, there had to be a kick after that Kerry game. If, if, if Galway hadn't beat Ross Common, well, my God, just forget about it the rest of the season. And, and I know Ross Common never have any fear of playing Galway, but surely... There was a there was a lift in that dressing room. After this, we'll see what happens. But yeah, Joyce, listen, taking on a county management job, you know, it's about the team around you. You know, Joyce can only use so much. Like, I mean, it's so deep and so vast. I mean, we see me Mayo there, like up in numbers of of, of twenty people in, in the background team and that, and that's where it's gone now. And that's who Park needs around him. But certainly, listen, it's a difficult for, first uh, um, uh, 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 position to be in. And certainly the pressure is there, Willie. And Galway, no more than any other county, you know, um, there's that strong football tradition. I mean, look at the abuse Kevin Moss got as he tried to change, change Galway's style and bring them into the modern era. I mean, there was some skinning for a man that won two All-Irelands. So listen, the knives can come out very quickly in a lot of counties and, and Galway's one of them. Do you think, Johnny, that the pride kind of element has gone out of, you know, the pride of playing for your county? Or not, maybe the pride is obviously still there, but d- depending on it for a motivational thing, is that going out of it as it gets more professional or is that still, you know... Yeah, I think I think there, there's still a, p- a place in it. I mean, you know, it's, it's funny, I would have I would have always, you know, when, when Jim McGuinness took over Donegal and, you know, a lot of the interviews he would have talked about, you know, we're doing this for the people of the hills and you know and it sort of galvanised the county so I think there's something in it um, in Parry Joyce's case you know it's tough on Parry Joyce uh, because Parry 
whether whether he felt it, it's it's not himself. He's not saying himself, but the people Paul Joyce is a, a golden figure in 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 uh, in Galway football, and rightly so. He was a, a one in a generation type player, and everywhere he went, people would talk about the great days that he gave him. Now he's putting himself in a different bracket. You know, you're put when you go into management, you're putting yourself in the spotlight for to be whipped. You know, yeah. and if things don't go well, and lots of times it's not the manager's fault. You know, you can, you know, we've all been involved in teams at whatever level and you work on so many things and then you go out in a game and you think you never even, they never even came into existence. You know, so players, you know, maybe revert to type and I, I think where he's coming from in that regard is he's hearing that, he's living locally, he's hearing that he's, he's his own business locally. He's in the construction uh, business, so you know it's the topic of they don't pull time. any punches. Well, absolutely, so he's going to hear all this, and from where he's coming from, that can be difficult because he was always, no matter even when Galway were lost, Paul Joyce was still the main man. See, and that's, that's a good tough. point. That's a good point, and you that's know. a good point, uh, Brendan, that Johnny's making. That he'd never be used to this as a player criticism because, like, even if Galway lost, Joyce never, you know, would have been the butt of the no. criticism. He would have been performing. Listen, and, and boy, yes, he's one of all-time greats. I mean, what what a player he was. But I'm just saying, like, go back to Kevin Walsh. You know, those of Kevin Walsh was, was a part of Josh, but he still was an integral part of the double All-Ireland winning team. And it's funny how quickly things can move on. And folks, Johnny, go back to some of that stuff with McGuinness and that. that, that listen, the winners rate history, as we know. Uh, I remember playing a club final a few years ago and, uh, against a few of my friends and somebody brought in a medal the day before the game, the opposition team, and they beat us. And the story circulated, story circulated. A couple of years later, we beat them in the final. I was like, where was your man with the medals today? You know, these stories only come out with the teams that actually won. Yeah, that, that is, yeah. And that is yeah, the issue I, when people I, start to I do romanticise, I suppose, which you're going back to about pride and that, you know. Yeah, I do agree. I, I agree with you. And, and, you know, I definitely think the day of kicking the bottles all over the dressing room and beating the table are very much gone. Where, where I would, and, and I'd be very much on the outside, and, and you know, I know, Brendan, you'd, you'd know a lot more that was going on in that era and... From with Jim but I just thought when Jim McGuinness spoke I thought he got the county behind him I suppose that's my point and when you're going as a manager and you know and exactly when you win everything seems great I remember one stage about a club team down the country they were pushing the car around the beach on Christmas Day you know this sort of stuff but they won but they just happened to do that so you know it doesn't mean yeah. it's great but my point being that yeah. sometimes the pride getting the whole county behind you you know we're representing the county you know you've got to maybe looking for a little bit of sponsorship to do something with the team listen we're all Galway men here we're all Donegal and we're trying our best I think there's an advantage in that yeah no, that's, I, that's my point I, I, Johnny I'd agree but I, w- I would think it's part of you need to create a bit of success in there I think it's steps you know while Donegal started to improve under Jim, then out came the sound bites. And then once they won promotion, won the league, started to go on, won the first Ulster, then then they captured imagination because it had been so long. And then all that, yeah, I know what you mean. It works together, but it obviously needs the results in the pitch to be pretty much in tandem with it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's it. I'm wondering how many medals have been produced down through the years in dressing rooms after a loss and the story's never been heard, <laughs> never been heard again. Like, yes, I mean, yes, yes. I, 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 do, I do think that, like, I mean, we were talking about this on the hurling show, uh, Johnny, and like, like the pride in the county is important. And I think some counties lose it a little bit in that you're tipping away and you're playing inter-county and you haven't ever asked yourself, who am I representing here? Why am I doing this? You know, and sometimes I remember like Cheddar Plunkett when he took over Leash Hurlers. I think they'd lost their way with that. And he brought them around Leash and he showed them some of the historical points of Leash and, you know, tried to drill into them why they're doing it and that they're Leash men. And there was a huge value I saw in that. And there's a huge value I see in that for a lot of managers. Now, you, obviously, you have to motivate your players with game plans and, you know, with, you know, they have to believe in you. You can't always be like, come on, we're proud Leishman. That's going to wear off very yeah. quickly. But I do, I do think, for example, the Dublin Hurlers now, their entire backroom team is from Galway. Now, I wouldn't mm. agree with that at all. Yeah. You know, like maybe yeah. I'm, oh, call me old fashioned, but I do mm. think definitely some motivation has to be inside you from where you come from. Well, I, I, I'd be, I suppose, even going back to, and, and I know everybody is different. Like, you, you go to, to the Rock of Dunamass, we'll say, in Leash, and some lads will think you're a, a gobshite for going there, and other lads will get something out. And that's maybe your personality and stuff like yeah. that. I know from, from my point of view, I remember when, when my dad was playing with Calair over 40s, and Calair over 40s, 
you know, at the time it was really getting going, and they beat, uh, they beat Leash in a final. Bobby Miller was playing with Leash, and it was the old stock. Tommy Carew, Pat May, and there was a big social end of it. Now, I was 10 or 11 at the time, and I used to go to all the matches with my dad, and they'd be sitting around talking the woes of Kildare football and all that. And that was always on my mind in certain matches that, what are the boys going, what's Pat Mangan going to be thinking of? And I really got something out of that, that it wasn't just, right. now maybe that's very romantic or whatever you want, but it was, it was part of what, what I, you know, felt was important that, yeah. you know, we did this and it was it was something bigger than yourself. Uh, that'll be lost on some people and I get that. But from my point of view and what would you say about Cheddar Prunkett, I get that. Yeah. You know? Talking about over 40s, uh, Brendan, Donegal are All-Ireland over 40s <laughs> champions and w- they, they won it without you. So I don't know how that happened. <laughs> I got a call a few weeks back to see what I played this year and I was like, here... I don't need any more surgery, my man. I'm, I'm happy enough in the bouncy castle with the kids. <laughs> the trampoline. Very little impact on those. Uh, yes, uh, those. Um, uh, yes, yes, yes. Another one, Les. Derry are flying it, Brendan. I'll start with you. Um, you're very close um, to Derry. Um, like, they're on the television against Cavan on Saturday. I'm definitely going to watch this and we're going to talk about Derry on Monday because I'm interested in them. And I was reading a piece in the Irish News um, and they were saying in, in November 2019, when he just took them over, Derry trained 27 out of 31 days. Um, you know, it was more about a little bit with Pat, like Pat Gilroy, when he took over Dublin, had them train at seven in the morning, not because it makes them fitter. It's to see who's going to drop out or who wants to be there. So I can kind of understand that he was given out about the culture in Derry, um, people coming in in dribs and drabs to matches. Um, they were talking in the article about um, they were playing a home game against Donegal and the Derry lads that were injured were up in, their sta- up in the stand in their civvies where Michael Murphy was injured and he was in his full Donegal tracksuit and he was down in the dressing room with the players. Do you know that kind of way, Brendan? And I, I can clearly remember situations with Leash when I was injured and I wasn't in the dressing room in my gear. I was up in the stand in my, in my jeans. And that's not really the culture that maybe you should be promoting when it's at a very serious uh, top level inter-county. Yeah, exactly. I suppose, Molly, that goes back to this whole bigger picture in the GA about the top teams, as as we know, we've gone on there. We did go into a Champions League type format in the Super 8s. They are pulling so far ahead and everything's been done right and everybody's got the right attitude and everybody in them counties wants to play. Now, once you start to drop down, the commitment levels that's required to catch up to them is massive. Your players dropping out. The vibe in the county isn't there. Maybe the money isn't there. So this is this is this problem that's going on in the GA. But Rory Geller has come on, and obviously from his time with Donegal and coaching all previous and his own playing days, you know, he's went to Fermanagh. And you can see from that Fermanagh bunch, well, they bought into what he wanted. And there's no doubting from what they had to work with. Now, I don't like the tactics he plays. I don't like him with Donegal. But now he's going into Derry, and we're like, what's what's happening? What's the transformation with Derry? I'm like, it's a transformation with Rory Geller. That said, Willie, as you said, Derry were training like mad there, uh, but what I'm hearing back, uh, all the way through lockdown, um, you know, everybody was given programmes, and they were to, to the max. I think they've come in very fit to this, and I think, listen, Longford, the first day, didn't give them any challenge for Mana. A bit of a raw, young for Mana side there, got taken apart, so I would, I would caution now, just with how fit they're here. They're still playing blank at defence, but when they break, they maybe are at that wee bit of fitness. Now, the players have bulked up, no doubt. They're, they're in serious shape. And I think that's maybe adding in to that. I don't see. I don't think you'll see the real Derry until they meet either Donegal or Down and also Championship. And that'll tell the tale where this team's at. Yeah, maybe. Maybe One thing I remember, Johnny, was when McGinney took over Kildare. Remember, I remember he hammered Leash in Tullamore. Mm. And I remember I was walking down from the ground. I wasn't on the panel. I think I was with, I was with Parnellis that year. And the walking down from the pitch and not only you know the kind of big culture at the time used to be everybody walking off the pitch together in a big group not only were you doing that in off, off a group off the field you all walked down to town in a big group whereas yeah. the leash players would come up there would be one lad with the hand over the back and you were immaculately tugged out in white t-shirts you know the Kildare tracksuit the Kildare bag and I just remember looking at it going they look like professionals and our lads look like amateurs yeah, and, and there's it's, a perception. It's there a is confidence a, from stuff like that. There is a get. perception, and and I suppose you're you're trying to create the culture. The culture, this culture is is you know it's a bit of a buzzword at the moment, but it was probably always there. In and and it came from the top. You know, the management, uh, the manager decides what's important. Like Kieran was a big advocate of, you know, if we went away um, the night before a match or we were staying away, you know, for any period that 
nobody drank none of the back the physio didn't have a drink the night before a match you know the doctor the kit man nobody had we're all in this together and you know I suppose that builds a certain um, you know a standard within the and, and, no, and everyone was accountable and that's the other thing you know you were always accountable and, and um, you did it we did it right whether the results went with or, or we believed and this was the right thing to do and that's why it was done and lots of times we walked down <laughs> it was lovely walking down that evening a lovely sunny evening I remember it well <laughs> after winning but you know we walked out and having the same uh, in 2010 as well after loud beating us and it was a walk of shame nearly but we did it because it was we felt it was the right thing to do and we were together um, and you're trying to create that culture and, and you know, I think that is important, and I think you know when, when we look at uh, Rory Gallagher doing that, he believes in that. He thinks it's important, um, and I think you should be you should be doing it for the right reasons. Um, and it can, it is perception. And you're They're just small of, things like but, we're not but, saying these are game no, changers, but, but you also have to re- that stood out for you. Yeah. How many young Calair kids or a fourteen year old is maybe thinking I'm not too you know for, yeah, yeah. I want to be part of that and and so it builds the bigger picture as well and I think that's important you know yeah, no, that's that you want point. to play with yeah. there you I, want to play with Leach. yeah I, I think Roy too I mean if you look at you look at the Spain at Gallagher's team there you know you you've Rogers Chrissy McKeag you know you have obviously Glasses back there from midfield from the states McFall McFall's as good as footballer as you get in the country hey McGuigan up front. And what he's done there, Slot, Neil and Glenn, go back to club football. Well, for years, Derry club football was way ahead of Donegal's. Donegal's is catching up bit by bit. But I'd still say if you put five top Derry teams against five Donegal, I'd still put my money in the Derry teams. So the club, the clubs are there, but the clubs are so strong that they've, they've upset the balance. So this is where Rory's trying to go back in, trying to, to re-establish the county as number one. Well, let's see in Donegal. Listen, county's way ahead. You know, that's number one. Everybody wants to play for Donegal. And Derry, your club, comes first. And this is the things that Rory's trying to tease out and get right. But hey, see, in terms of, of something to work with, you know, no offence to Fermanagh before, the amount of talent in Derry is unbelievable. Because Slotnil and Glen, well, they're as good as two club teams as you get in the country. And there was, I think there was eight or nine players of those involved uh, in the last couple of games. And that's, that's huge for Derry. Yeah, no, we'll mention a little bit about Derry. Christy McCaig's back in on the full back line. He's in corner back as a man marker now, which is an interesting one. Tony McEntee had a had a piece with Conan Doherty, our own ex Conan Doherty here from this show, who we know well um, in the Independent. And he was talking to Tony McEntee. Tony McEntee's a bit of a straight talker, right? So he's talking about telling fellas that they didn't make the, the match day squad. You know, so he says, if you're ringing me, this is Tony McEntee talking now, he says, if you're ringing me about why you're not on the panel, please understand that it's either because of injury or application, attitude or ability. So he says, if you're not making the, pan- the panel, ask yourself the question. I think this, that sort of stuff helps with clarity and saves people from wasting time. And it's certainly not my, or it certainly may not be the best way to manage everybody, but at least they're not expecting to be called by someone to make up lies to them every week. Now, that's fair enough. Um, nothing worse than being bullshitted by a manager when you ring them up or whatever but I'd still if he said that to me because of injury application attitude or ability Johnny I'd say which one? <laughs> I don't think it's that clear at all you'd be, you'd be in trouble <laughs> if he said them all <laughs> you're in serious bottom uh, yeah look at I suppose you know delivering that message to a player a lot of the time they probably know what's coming uh, there might be one or two maybe on the edge but most of them will know the phone call is coming or, or the message is coming and it is it, it's it's the tough part of management but I I always felt you know listen to Tony Magnetti as you say he was a straight talker and you know you could nearly picture him you know having a four signs and he's got to put up one it's application today go back to train and we'll see you know choose the night um, and look at let's be honest about it you know when you break all this down as a player and whether this may be very black and white, which I tend to be on, on, on lots of issues. Your job as a player is to convince the manager he should pick you. And that's it. And if you don't if he doesn't, like in the vast majority of counties, and I won't say them all, but maybe you know, maybe it's different in, in the, the, the the top teams. But in, in Kildare, you could be the complete and utter waster. But if you're good enough and you're producing the thing, he's gonna pick you. That's it. He mightn't yeah. like you. But if you're producing the goods, and that's basically what it was, it is for me. You've got to go, all right, there's times you might feel letting get in a little bit, but you have to put up your hand. You have to put up your hand and say, pick me. And that might be coming from a point of view of you have to put in extra effort. There might be a little bit of, a, you know, letting them see that, you know, they're, they're looking at 
will we pick Colin Parkinson or pick John Doyle for this? Well, Woolley's here before training every night and he's he's making an effort to be here and trying. You know, he's doing a bit extra and we see him doing a bit extra. Now, I might be doing as much on my own, but I'm putting my hand on I'm getting them to talk to a positive thing about me. And that's what it was for me, you know, if you're there. A lot of the time, if you're not producing the goods, what can I do? Yeah, I remember uh, when I went back onto the Leach panel in 2011, I'd been, I'd pulled out for two years when I was in Parnell's. And I went back and I trained like mad and I got in great shape under Justin McNulty. I was doing flat out on the weights. I was in the top one or two, three on some of the bench presses and the strength tests. And this was great. And then played the first league game. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't on it. Uh, three subs were brought on. I wasn't one of the three. Second game, the same. Third game or second game, the same. So I thought it was fair enough for me to give McNulty a ring at this stage and say, here, what's going on here? I said, I, I, I prefer if you were straight up with me, because if I can't get in the top six and I can't get in the next three, if I'm number 10 at best forward, I said, I'm wasting my time here, Justin, because I don't want to come back just to be on a bench all year. I want to see some game time. I'm not asking you to start me, but if I don't start, see, if I don't see any game time. Like, I don't, I, I don't see the, the point. He just, he, he didn't speak to me like a human being. He spoke to me a bit like a robot. You're on the panel like everybody else and you'll, you know, you, 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 you won't be pushed. To, you know, I don't know. He was just being very robotic and saying, you're no different to anybody else. You're not in the starting team and you weren't brought on the last day and, you know, and all this. And I was like, Jesus. And I was speaking to a selector actually recently and he actually told me that McNulty had told him in a meeting, we kind of know what Woolley can do or whatever. If, if he had said that to me, I would have said, I would have accepted that, yeah. bide your time. He just, he gave me nothing and I ended up dropping off the panel. Yeah. So I don't know, like, I mean, I see this with Tony McEntee, uh, Brendan. Like, I mean, I, I, I always think that the good managers are able to speak to players like like a like a a, a human being like like a like they, like their their personality allows them to explain things and it's not about am I a good manager here what kind of friend would I be breaking this news you know or can I explain this to this fella I don't know am I being a big softy here Brendan or something no well yeah uh, listen we're all there's there's different styles of people well you might have been better in the in the, in the hipster sixties or something I can put you in a day but. Listen, I, I, could, I couldn't see a McNulty in there, but no, listen, robotic, you were talking about there. Don't talk to me about robotic Armagh. We come up against that roboticness uh, in the Ulster Championship, unfortunately, so many times. But yeah, I think on the, on the list of four things there, Willie, you might have come down at ability there was uh, the reason uh, we had this situation. Sorry, that's a bit harsh, my man. I'll have to throw that out there. But no, that thing of only if knowing where you stand, right? If you're putting your whole life into something, right? And like you're saying, then you're left dumbfounded. And I've heard this so many times. It's as if managers are head wrecking uh, Egypt. And I've heard this recently with, a, with an underage manager there, you know, just throwing out nonsense to a young boy about why he's not making a panel or what's this and what's that. You really feel like ringing him up, going, like, you know, there's, a, there's an easier way to do this. And as you said, to keep you tuned in, to keep you going, why doesn't he say, listen, I'm going to put you on the next couple of games. That's what the bloody league's for. And then it's up to you to make or break it. Instead of you wondering, here, I'm getting up at six o'clock to go to the gym before I, before I go to work. So this this scenario, yeah, but different managers. And I suppose that's what separates the, the good from the bad. Willie, and again, going back to the thing about all the players wanting to play for counties and going back to even as Johnny saying about Jim, them boys would have put their... Their, their neck in the line, their body in the line for, for Jim. And that's the difference. That's what you need uh, from, from from your best managers. Yeah, that's the thing. Because if he'd even given me two minutes against the next game, I would have stayed. I was just like, geez, he's given me nothing mm. on the phone. He's given me no carrot here. He's given me no information. And now the next <laughs> game is the exact same. I'm like, I, I thought did I'd know. Did, did you not have a similar kid, you Mick? Was this kind of recurring thing? Uh, it could be, Brendan. The funny thing is, you know right well the answer to that question so I like, mean there's a common denominator here. yeah yeah absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. come here just one quick one before we go lads I don't really need you to comment on this because I'd say we're all going to be on the same uh, wavelength here and that's John Canellan. he's doing an awful lot of work and he's reached out to all GA clubs across the country and he has explained to them he's trying to bring a motion to Congress and it's regarding the f- Dublin's funding and that they're getting disproportionate funding and um, we all know that they're getting too much and he wants it equalised. And what he wants is, to, is for clubs to discuss it and bring a motion to their county convention with an aim of when this motion goes to Congress that it gets debated at Congress. And there's been uh, GA clubs across 
across 20 different counties and they've confirmed that they will table a motion at their annual general meetings um, and hope, hopefully bringing this to their county convention to equalise um, the, the, the funding that Dublin get. I think everybody outside of Dublin will agree with this. I think if people, GA people, real true GA people in Dublin look at this and say, that looks fair to me. I'll read out the motion. I've read this motion out on the show before. All coaching and development funding must be allocated to individual counties on an equal basis based on registered GEA members in the preceding year in each county up to a maximum variance of 5%. Any proposal to allocate coaching and development funding in excess of 5% variance must be brought to annual Congress every two years for approval with a transparent plan and business case for each increased funding. I don't know, Johnny, like I said, you know, I can imagine the three of us are just going to agree here on that. Do you want to say anything on it? No, I think, look, it, it, it is, you know, when you, when you see the facts and figures on paper, you know, it, it's, it's certainly, it's certainly the balance isn't there. And, and uh, you know, lots of ways you'd have to take your hat off to John Cannell. And, like, he's very passionate about this. He's an ex-player. He's obviously, you know, like, we, we all sit around and we talk about what should be done. Which, but he's actually gone above and yeah. beyond and said, look, I feel passionate about this. Uh, and I'm going to do a lot of work, and he's done a colossal amount of work. Now it won't sit well in certain quarters, as you know, as most debates uh, and things like that do. So um, you know, you'd say fair play to him. And, and look at the GA. We're always told by the GA, the GA is about the clubs, and it's about the you know, we're all members, and we all have a say. So you know, he's putting a, a very uh, a sort of a, a motion towards towards Congress and. You know, it's people to step up and, and, and if they're passionate and believe that it's the right thing to do, which I think, you know, it's it probably is time for change. Yeah, it's 98 percent of 98 point something percent of the clubs that were that were reached out to that responded have been in favour of of this. And that's what is it? Fairness, I suppose. So it's 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 uh, anything to say on this, Brendan? Yeah, well, listen, we're on about one point four million here and the dubs, it's not going to stop um their ability to do what they're doing. And I'm not blaming them for it, Willie. It's one of those debates where we have to have it, and I hate having it, because it separates everybody in the GA. And you made a good point there, Willie. If you're a true GA person, you know that something has to change. And the problem is, is that a lot of people aren't on that side. And that's their that's their point of view. They just want the best from Dublin. But the, the, the massive animal that Dublin are uh, is, is just overbearing everything now in, in the GA, Willie. So... Something has to give, you know, Dublin clubs. I mean, look at Kula sponsorship with, with, with biotech and, and that's a Dublin club in there. Like Dublin's ability at club and county level now has, has gone massive. And, and I know Bernard Brogan tweeted there, you know, um, what was it, once in a generation. The Dublin panel, well, they, the age range of it has remained consistent throughout this the yeah. panel age range. So it's not that it's the same team. And if you look at the brilliant teams from the past, the Kerry teams, the Dublin teams that won multiple titles in a row. They were there was a cycle there. There's no cycle at the minute. So this is very dangerous. So it's down to us as GA people. Are we happy that certain teams, particularly Dublin, are pulling away from everybody else? Are the dubs happy with that? Because until that's addressed, uh, well, things is just going to keep getting worse. And there'll never be a level playing field. I get that. But as much as we, we, we have to try and make it that, but it is such a de- difficult one to, to encounter. But it's it's certainly not working at the moment. Well, and if you look at particularly in Leinster, it's it's really harming uh, all the other counties. So, you know, there's only one option here, Willie. We know what it is. That's that's the split. Split double. Because, like, I mean, the reality is, just to finish up at this point, well, I, 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 I would be in favour of that, but this, this will make zero difference, as Brendan says. This is a, a, not a significant amount of money, and it's enough. Dublin are banking this money anyways, so it's not going to make much difference. I don't know why Dublin supporters wouldn't be in favour of this, make it fairer, because it's been used as a stick to beat Dublin with that they're, they're getting disproportionate money. And, like, I mean, it takes away from what they achieve on the field. My argument with that money, the damage has been done now. So every other county needs double the money Dublin are getting just to catch up from where, you know, where they were. So, like, I don't know, lads, I, I, we, we're, we're in the middle of the league. This feels like a bit of a closed season uh, conversation. So we'll move sure. off it and we'll come back because we move have on, a very important. We have permutations to talk about here, lads. Right. We'll come back in part two. <laughs> Okay, lads, we'll start with Division 1 and the North section. It's probably the most exciting um, section. Donegal have three points. Tyrone and Armagh have two. Monaghan have one. Um, All four of them 
can make the semi-final depending on how it turns out. A win or a draw um, and Donegal will be through. We know that Tyrone and Armagh, whoever wins that, will, will go through. Monaghan have to win and hope Armagh lose um, to, to try and get in, in the mix on, on three points. So Donegal are away to Armagh, Brendan. Like we've talked about Donegal a lot on the show so far. What's the, what's the talk up in Donegal? I know everybody's not exactly out around the pubs and everything talking and, you know, what's the word in Donegal, but you're out and about. Like, I mean, there must be huge excitement or are people almost so brainwashed by defensive football that they're saying, this is outrageous, we're, we're way too wide open. Well, I couldn't get my breath at that game the last night because normally games hinge on, on a goal scored or a goal missed is, is usually a big part of the game. Yeah. There was maybe 16 clear goal chances <laughs> and it was mad. And actually, like Sean Cavanagh was saying, just I heard somebody tell me back that he, he played in Balbuffet, I think, 11 times and he had two goal chances in the, in the whole 11 games and he was full forward for quite a par- part of them. You know, what what is happening? And I'll tell you what, what's, what's, what's really fascinating about these opening rounds of the game and, and the way, if you look at the scoring average, Willie, this last, say, six years in the league from its from its worst point of blanket defence, it is just up. The graph is just going up, up and up. And this year it's taking another huge jump again. And what's happened is in blanket defence, one-on-one defending, as we know, has is, is gone down and down. But we haven't noticed it because there's so many players in the round. It. Yeah. Now as the game opens up, it's almost like the arms race. So now the forwards have have reached a level that 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 I've never seen before in terms of because they've so little space to work in. They've had to get better and better in the blanket. The defenders now haven't been man Marcus and ha- have gone away. Basically, we're not on earth than man Marcus anymore. Now as the game opens up, forwards are just completely running amok. And you think back in the day, and Johnny will tell you there the amount of top defenders. You know, you think of your your lockouts, your Darren Faze, Connor Gormley, all all these players, Paddy Christie. If you beat them one-on-one, you were doing well. Now, Willie, if you see any one-on-one scenario in GA, you know, you're like, how did that happen? Well, that wasn't that wasn't fair. He's left exposed. Can you imagine those great cornerbacks and fullbacks back in the day saying, here, that's my job. But I mean, yeah. from Donegal's perspective, we had three players around Conor McCarthy twice. Three players around him. And Conor McCarthy still, now, brilliantly taking goals, don't get me wrong, as good as Hattricks as I've seen, but our defending was absolutely shambolic. And after a match, I spoke to Declan Bonner and I actually like Declan's attitude towards it because a bit like Porrick Joyce not sleeping. Boner kind of laughed it off. And I was really glad that, Wooly, because we're just back. There's very little time to, to get everybody up to speed. It was an unbelievable game. Why you get bogged down in, in this thing about, oh, our defending was terrible? You know, he was kind of like, well, that, that was mental. You know, we still had 120. Donegal came back from the dead, nine points down in the first half. They were six down halfway through the second half. They still got a draw of it, which they shouldn't have got by right. So I, I like this attitude towards the because, you know, if you're getting caught up in that, it is a, it is a job. It's not, it's not a paid job. It's something that you're doing for the love of it. So you've got to take all the experiences on board. But certainly, Donegal defend again, Willie, there'll be no Ulster and no Tilted in All-Ireland, and, and they know that. But there's players to come back and, and at least uh, will be entertaining, I'll tell you that much. That, that's a good point Brendan makes in that forwards have evolved to, to make the most of small spaces, Johnny, because they've had to. And like it's like uh, true over the last seven or eight years. So they've improved and cornerbacks have maybe gotten into a situation where their strength in numbers and their one-on-ones have disimproved. So like maybe, you know, they, I, I didn't really think of it yeah, like that. Yeah, that's a very fair point. And, and, you know, like I often said, you know, in the last number of years, I, I wouldn't like to be playing in a corner forward now because if you get it, you're nearly just... You know, you could win it inside of 14 and before you know it, it's back inside your own half because it's whole possession. Don't sh- take pot shots. Um, so it it is a difficult and um, I suppose if, as Brendan says, if you're if you're used to that environment, it's it's there in training um, and, and all of a sudden then you feel like you have a little bit more space, you know, you're, 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 you're in, a, in a really good position. And I think from a point of view of forward, like most forwards now are so comfortable off both feet. You know, you're closed down right, spin, you're turning, the next thing, bang, over the bar, over in the left-hand side with the left foot. You know, it's. I, I just think that they've been used to that um, and, and they seem to be able to bring it to a new level. And, you know, it's for most spectators, which we all are, it's just great to see. It's so refreshing. And sometimes I wonder, is it after the COVID that, you know, the way it's gone so... Oh, everyone wants to attack, you know, and is it the case that we've been locked up for so long? It's just get mad and get out yeah. there and, and play. Um, now, football will always evolve. 
in every every dressing room this week they look at their defence and what can they do better they look at their attack like I'm sure you know Kerry will have spent an, a few sleepless nights and geez, we, we shipped four goals against Dublin you know we, we kicked some brilliant scores um, but we need to work, work really hard at that and, and you know so it, it will always evolve um, but it's it's making for it's making for great great viewing. No, it definitely. Another thing, a catch twenty two, Brendan. I think Donegal and any team is finding themselves in. Like Mac Espy and Carol O'Connell um, um, did fierce damage against them. Now you know you have Kieran Thompson and Michael Langan playing wing forward. There's obviously a huge advantage of having those players wing forward in that they're attacking players, but they might not want to work. Now here's the here's the problem with this. If you put two if you put two working half forwards on these lads yes you'll stop them attacking but when you attack you know McInespy and Carl O'Connell might drop off them into sweeping positions so your attacking game is kind of messed up we saw that with Armagh uh, the other night in Tyrone where um, O'Hanlon dropped off Conor Myler because he's no threat to him and I was talking on Monday's show about doing that regularly at wing back if your man's no threat and he goes away you'll help out the other six lads whereas if you, have, if you want a kicking game like Donegal do that half forward line has to be engaged in that half back line. They have to be worried about them either from a scoring point of view or a, a playmaking point of view. So they have to push up and mark them. You know, like, I mean, so where do you get to the point in the half forward line of that Donegal half forward line where you're, you're able to tick both boxes? You're able to have them working hard enough that, you know, we know wing backs in the game now. They're all, you have, like, I mean, Morgan, McHugh, O'Connell, McInespy, you have McLaughlin for Mayo, you have Durkin, you have White and Murphy for Kerry. Like, they're all bombing. This is a new part of the game now. So what do you do as a wing forward? Do you almost go out and how do you find a wing forward, I suppose, the question is, that will engage the wing back to mark them from a scoring or creative point of view, but also has the work rate to be able to do the other side of it, which traditionally scoring and creative wing forwards don't want to do. Mm. That's an interesting point of view. The great thing is that it is evolving and opening up. And if you look at the transition now from defence to attack, everyone's realised now that hand passing it over and back just invites a stalemate. Yeah. So they know kick passing up the pitch has released everything. Players now are finally looking up and kick passing. But you're right, that half forward rule is such a difficult rule. I don't think work rate is the issue necessarily for Donegal. I think it was just tackling and not putting a proper tackle. You know when you stand the man up, those good cornerbacks and fullbacks that I mentioned. Whenever you went at them, David hit you. You know, our own Neil McGee and his pump would have been, he'd hit you solidly, knocked you back, making you recycle the ball. And I think therein lies the key. But you're right, if you look at if you look at Donegal, you know, in the last few years since De- Degan Bonus, come on, Niall O'Donnell, as you said, Langan, Oshin Gallon, Jamie Brennan, uh, Mogan, all these lads, Kieran Thompson, coming through to be top players. Now look at the other end of the pitch, Willie. You think back to 2012, Donegal started with Neil McGee, cornerback, and Paddy McGrath, uh, or Neil McGee, fullback, Paddy McGrath, cornerback. They could be in their full back line this year. And that was 2012, and they weren't. that wasn't their first year. So when you think about the explosion of talent, again, is all coming through forwards, and that actually comes back into Donegal club football. If you look at what's happened in, in, in the county football in terms of defenders going down, but our club football is so negative that now that has stopped producing players for Declan. And then the knock-on effect of our own negative football now is really hampering our, our county team. Because, see, if we had two or three good players coming through now, don't get me wrong, Gillespie would have been one of those hampered with injuries. So was young Morrison from Unions. I think they were two potential players and they've just been hampered with injury. But, Molly, you shouldn't be clinging on to a couple of players. There should be six or seven defensive players like those lads. That's the balance would always been. But because of Donegal Cup football now, Donegal could, if they had two or three extra defenders, and I think could really make a tilt at all Ireland. As it stands now, well, they've got the firepower. It's at the other end of the pitch, as we've seen from the Ulster final last year. If a team really goes at them, they just don't really have maybe the combative abilities of some of the top teams and, and, and certainly the likes of uh, the Dubs. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting one to, to look at, um, Johnny. In my, my head, Stephen O'Brien is the prototype modern wing forward that he, he can score, but he works like a, you know, like a dog as well. And, you know, someone like Paul Mannion has such an appetite for work and he's also a threat. You know, these lads, I do think Kieran Thompson and Mike Langan, Langan especially, might be a little bit lazy on the old, you know, Padder Mogan, or you know, if he's marking Padder Mogan in training, ah, uh, he's gone. Uh, well, I might score a goal yeah. if he goes. You know, yeah. let him off. I don't. Th- I think he can let corner backs off the odd time, but you can't let Mogan or, or these wing backs off. No, particularly in, in in the modern the modern game because they're they're such athletes now. Like they're just they're just gone, and you and you end up tracking them. Like I know when I played wing four, Woolly, you know, and and you were marking that, and you looked the bomb. 
you were sort of thinking, okay, I can spend a day running after this guy, or I can try, you know, have him look try to look after me. Yeah. And you you cheat a bit because once and I fell into I fell into the the trap more times where I ended up trying to mark him, and I'm thinking. Well, I'm the forward here. Yeah. Um, so there's times you would cheat and say, listen, I'm going to let him off. I'm going to maybe talk to Emmett Bolton. You pick him, he's coming. And when that ball breaks down, I want to deliver the far side of the yeah. field. And all of a sudden, then you might get on the end of a score and they're saying, who's marking him? You mark oh, him, man. It's a game of cat so and mouse. I played it for years, yeah. Johnny, in both roles, wing back and wing Absolutely. forward. Absolutely. You yeah. know, and the day, from a forward point of view, you're heading back all the time. You're in trouble. Yeah. So I suppose it's getting that and maybe, you know, is, is being brave enough. But I, I think at, at the moment as well, and just looking at the, obviously looking at, at a good bit of Division 2, where, where Kildare are, and then the top, the top teams and, you know, for me, the big thing in in the four the four formation is the pace at which they attack. Now, that's that's one aspect. But the other aspect of it is is the slickness through the hands, and the ball at the very least goes dead. You know, th- there's no sloppy hand pass. There's no pa- kick pass given away. I looked at a few times. Kildare they brought the ball forward, not at pace. Got loads of clear band. We'll probably talk about it a little bit. You know, when we talk about Division Two, load and then. You know, we had the ball, had the ball, and then a sloppy hand pass, and they killed us on their counter attack. You don't see that as much in the top teams, you know, at the attacking end of the field. Yeah. You know that, and there's runners, there's options coming, diagonal runs. If there's one that is coming, and he's not coming, you know yourself, fully if, if if you're marking a forward and he, he's not really looking for it, he's half. A, but if he puts the boot down and goes, you have to go with him. You know, and and I think the top teams are really good at that. Yeah, no, exactly, and that that's the thing. We'll have a look at Division One South. Here now, lads. Kerry and Dublin are on three points. Um, they're ahead of Galway on two. Roscommon have none. So Roscommon are pretty much gone. Kerry are pretty much true because of their goal difference or their score difference um, after hammering uh, Galway. But the winner of Galway and Dublin <coughs> will join them. Um, Galway are at home. Amazingly, if Galway were to win at home, you know, they're, tr- they're true after such a humiliation. And they did improve an awful lot the, la- the last day. Although I don't know, Brendan, I, I think Galway have slightly slipped off the top teams, like without Ian Burke, without Michael Daly, John Daly, Thomas Flynn, even Garrett Bradshaw, who who retired, is a, an option for centre back. Like the the form of Johnny Heaney and and Brannigan, Eamon Brannigan, like they were Ke- they were uh, Kevin Walsh's two of his best soldiers, those two fellas, and they they don't seem to be playing uh, very well. At least he did. Um, play Walsh inside and Comer at 11 the last day which was something and Porrick Joyce spoke afterwards about the work rate being really good which was the very obvious issue for them I don't know about you like I mean I don't want to draw too many conclusions after just two league games I'm just looking down through their team I just I, I don't see it at the level of the top teams Yeah you're right well Galway seemed like they were coming a couple of seasons here and, and just going back to, to, to Walsh and, and the, the trouble of, of putting in a, a defensive structure in place, you know, that certainly didn't look in place. Obviously against Kerry, you know, it was it was man for man and Kerry ran amok and you're right, we can't read too much on that. Kerry were obviously were hurting the whole season about their defeat to Cork. They were supposed to have a tilt at all Ireland. They didn't even get into the Munster final. A bit like Donegal the first day out, they came out with a real sense of purpose against Tyrone, which I didn't see the last day. So, you know, I'm just wondering about those two teams were really at maybe a point to prove and, and Galway just weren't ready for that. But you're right, looking down the line at, at, at Galway, you know, you're, you're thinking stabilising Division 1 uh, and, and going into Connacht. Is, is, if they won a Connacht title, they're certainly not in a position, David, at the All-Ireland. And you're right, those players that are missing in there are, are impossible to replace. So I think it's going to be a difficult season for them. But certainly um, Roscommon is the team, I think, will he drew the short straw there of all the teams in Ireland. And when the leagues were divided up, Roscommon probably thought they could have a, maybe have a go at, at Galway. As I said previously, Galway were, were, were going to come out with, with a, bit, a bit between the teeth. But certainly would have thought they could have a go at a few of the Ulster teams there and maybe pick up some points. But the fact that they were lumped in with uh, Kerry and Dublin is very difficult for them on their return to Division 1. Yeah, definitely. And they're playing Paul Kelly as a wing forward, who's a working wing forward and I'm, this is a new bugbear of mine Johnny because if you're going all or nothing at this so if you want to have a kicking game and I was talking about this in the Tyrone um, perspective on Monday show with Myler and McGeary you're giving the other you're giving the opposition a, a sweep a handy sweeper so if, you're, if your tactics is kicking and you have a good full forward line and that's the game you want to play 
why are you not trying to engage the half-back line? Why are you giving them the handy sweeper? Because they won't follow Kelly. They say, right, work away. You're not going to trouble the scoreboard. i let you on working away. I'm just going to sit back in here or I'm going to pick up the centre-backs man and he's going to sit in there. And now you have a, now your kicking game's gone. Do you get me? Do you have to think these things through now that the game is starting to change? You have to think about your, your one-on-ones in your full-back line. You have to think about your kicking game. You have to think about what kind of a half-forward line have I? Have I a creative half-forward line? Are we working through that? Who are my kick-passers on the half-back line? Or am I on the half-forward line? Who are my kick-passers in midfield? If I have two fetchers in midfield that can't kick-pass, are they any good to me? Do I have to put a, a, you know, a big-man-small-man combination? All kind of stuff we would have talked about when we were playing. These are coming back into the game now, Johnny. It's a whole new world. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going to blame the COVID for it all on. <laughs> Look, at, I, I think, you know, and, and we talk, you know, we talked here um, last week or the week before about Tyrone's, this kicking game, um, you know, and it's probably alien to them from, you know, the Mickey Hart era where it was run the ball. But like any any game, you've got to be able to vary the game. You know, like, what, what's the ideal? The keeper kicks it out, we catch it in the midfield, he kicks it to the full forward, we kick it up. That's that's the ideal. But there's so many, there's hundreds of permutations that are going to. So, like you say, if we're going to play our kicking game, the opposition are going to say, look at, we've looked at this. When when the centre-back gets it, he's going to look to kick it. You know, So, we're, we're identifying where they're strong. Now, the opposition have to be able to ad- adapt that. So, I think that's always been in the game and you're always going to have to. And, and it's known that you're changing the mindset of, look, ideally when that ball is on, we need to kick it. It doesn't mean you've got to make a decision then. It is very basic. Yeah. You know, if, make a decision. if I look up and, and there's a sweeper there, then I don't kick. You know, where, but my first option is to kick it. Where maybe Tyrone, if, if we're going to talk about Tyrone and that, their option was to safely number one, regardless of whether the kick was on. And you become programmed to that. You're, you know, you're nearly... If you give away a ball, you're, you're going to be nailed for it in the stats and or in the, the video analysis. Where now, they have a little bit more freedom of expression that if it is on, you give it, you do the right thing, it mightn't work out. Um, so you've got to get all that aspects of it. And I think that's always happening yeah. within, within teams. Yeah, no, no, it is. It definitely... But I do think there's way more tactical aspects, like almost I call them old school tactical aspects that, that are coming back into the game now, which is absolutely brilliant. Division 2, North, um, that's all settled. Mead and Mayo are through to the semi-final and Down and Westmead are in a relegation match, so we don't need to talk too much about that. Division 2, South is where it's all kicking off, Johnny. Looks like Leash are in the relegation... Like, mathematically, Leash can get into the semis, but Leash have to hammer Kildare and Clare have to hammer Cork and that won't happen um, the winner of Kildare and Cork um, will be will probably go through with Clare you'd imagine although maybe Clare could get could get uh, could get caught potentially on scoring difference it's, it's definitely an exciting division Kildare play leash in a Moor Park um, I don't know uh, Johnny Kildare just I'm not a Kildare fan I think you, you like I'm not from oh, Kildare I played against you I, I, <laughs> I, I would have had plenty but I have a bit since do you know what it was it's seeing a team challenge Dublin gave me a bit of a, a grow for Kildare because it was the 2018 Leinster final it was 17 or 18 18 and they rattled it they played very well against Dublin and I, I started liking Kildare then because they were a, a realistic challenger against yeah. Dublin and I've kind of stuck to rating them liking them and it goes against everything I stand for to be like in Kildare. But at the same time, like, they frustrate the life out of me. And uh, I was mentioned on Monday, or maybe the last time you were in, Johnny, like, Kieran McKeever and his attitude to Kildare, a bit like that they're soft. Mm. And then you look at a, a result like this after a great result against Cork. And I'm starting to think they are a bit soft. It's a mentality thing. It's a softness thing. They're not picking enough combative players. The Fergal Conways that'll get stuck in. He's coming on as a sub. They're too nice. And is that fair enough? Like, and against a, a, a good, hard team like Clare, who are as honest as the days long, and they're the opposite of that. They're not fancy. They're not soft in any way. Kildare lose at home to them. Yeah, well, yeah, look, there's, there's lots of things. I suppose, you know, to hear that your Kildare are soft, it was something that was was thrown at us when Kieran McGinley came into the. He says, "What do you think the out, outside world think of you?" And it, it wasn't nice to hear, yeah. you know, because again, back to the, my original point when we talked about, you know, maybe the, you know, where you come from, and the pre Mico thing was always Kildare had no bottle, you know, back in the eight when I would have started to look at the eighties, early nineties. Mico came, and the one thing. We, we got rid of and the Glen Ryans and Willie McCreary's and Rainbow's they got rid of all that well at least we were going to fight tooth yeah. and nail we mightn't win but we're going to go out and be the best we could be 
Um, and then when McGinney said it and said that, well, you're just a bit soft. It was, you know, it, got, it hit me right between the two eyes and I didn't like it. And, and I felt while the stats are there to say we won feck all with Kieran, um, we competed and people didn't call us soft. And that was a, that was a win that for me personally, got, we got back to that level. So I suppose making your point now, going back to this, have that they we're fallen soft, into that again? I think we have. And I don't think it's not, it's not, um, it's not a, a cowardice thing by any stretch because there is, you know, there, you go off toe to toe with a lot of those players and you'd be second, you know. So it's not a cowardice thing by any stretch of the man. But it's it's a willingness to play with at a high tempo. It's willingness to maybe you know go break the game line. Is that attitude then? I, I think it's maybe a little bit of. A, I don't know whether it's reflective of club football in the county. You know, sometimes they think maybe is it more wouldn't be soft in any no, way. To be no, the opposite. I, I wonder is it is it a, you know you know like you hear of northern counties where you know. I, I remember going to I was up in Hollis in Donegal and went out to see um, Glenty's play I'm not even sure they were playing but by God you weren't getting handy freeze so you were that was your environment to, to, now and I'm not saying sometimes maybe that was the case and there'll be people I'm sure there's club players around saying Jesus Johnny Doyle about handy freeze he got them all his life you know because they often tell me when I'm playing but I mean I think the big thing for Kildare is the inconsistency and it was there when I was there uh, Woolly in regard to the day we thought you know it's going to be tough but we should be alright is the day we came home with our tails between our legs I was looking and, and I always look for it. great win against Cork alright if you go back and it you know it looked like a mindset set in last this game has won you know Cork come in and finish with the last five points you know them five points could come back and haunt us yet you know instead of we have them by the throat let's squeeze I go in then and I look and I was looking around I thought the warm up was a little bit you know I looked at some of the players in the stand that you talked about. They were in their civvies. Right. Do you know? Yeah. So, um, and, and maybe this is just me. Um, you know, I looked at, at um, for one, one example, and I don't mean to make, make up players, but I'm going to name Mick O'Grady, who's, who's fullback, who's had a great game. And he's a tough player because I played on him. He's a really good player. He's fullback. And it could be just a mindset or it could be just me. But a ball went out t- towards the scoreboard end. He was two yards ahead of his man, uh, Keelan Sexton. Went to go down it, got a bit of a dunt. Nine times out of ten, you get a free. In my book, it was a free. He sh- you know, it was yeah. going down, he came from behind. Ref didn't give it. Split second, Mick, the two hands went out. Where's my free? Ended up thinking, then the ball was there. Keelan Sexton got it. He fouled him. And David Tubbard put in the ground, kicked over the bar. And I was thinking, geez, you know, get your ball, win it, burst out. You know, was that a mindset thing? Yeah, yeah. And, and that sort of worries me about Kildare. They're good footballers, don't get me wrong, but you have to play at intensity. You have to go and, and you know, play this game. So we can, as a county, we have to fight every day. You played with Port Leash. I'm sure there's days you went out playing Ballyliner or playing, ah, we should be all right. It might give you a scare, but tr- your tradition of winning, your mentality of winning probably got you over the line. We don't have that in Kildare. So we have to fight every battle every day at 100 mile an hour. And, you know, like I do li- talk to supporters and, and they'd be saying, ah, we should beat Clare. Why? Why should we beat Clare? Yeah. You know, we have this You're little bit of... not at that level, no, yeah. we're not at that yeah. level. So we have to go and beat Clare. And, and that sort of is a worrying thing for me. And some of that's outside the players' control. But you have to fight and you have to win every battle every day. Just because you won it last week Johnny, is not enough. Johnny, do, you, Johnny, do you not think there's certain teams out there that are bloody plucky and they can put it up to you on any day, no matter where they're at? And I would put Clare in that. Yeah. And put Tap in that as well. But teams that on a given day are going to give it to you, and, and you're right about there's certain sides you play, and, and there's going to be a how would you say? I, I would I think softness is a, is a bit of a it's a bit of a freaking insult to throw at teams a lot of the time, but they they don't have maybe that bit of meat uh, uh, to, to come at you. I mean, for man, I would have been like that in Ulster. I even remember years ago when I started playing first, even Leitrim used to be a team they would put it up you, you know, and, and maybe us. Be division one, then be three, and you you play them. I know they mixed up the leagues a few times. Certain teams will will give it to you, and and Clare is one of them. But but I think the reason to do, you know, it's because they have to do it every single day. There's no day Leitrim go out. Yeah, they're always underdogs. They're always being told, you know, you're not good enough. You're you know, and like. Clare, in my book, and it, it's an insult, and there'll be people in, in, in Clare would say, who does he think he is? But Clare's a hurling county. 
you know and hurling is the number one sport in that county as far as I'm concerned but so Clare are used to that there's people in Kerry saying that there's people so they have to fight tooth and nail every time they go out so that's their environment in which in which they play the game and I think you know and as I said there's some teams that they don't have to do that because they have tradition and the, the tradition of winning being used to win will get them over tight battles where We've, I think, Kildare have to ba- have to battle every day because we're Kildare at that ha- level. Yeah, but Kildare have notions above that level. You see, well, and I suppose uh, like they make the super eights, they perform well in Dublin. It's almost but like it's they've, an been inconsistency. O- they've been living off that then, and they almost think maybe they can go into a game against Clare and and you know get through the game or whatever. You won't against Clare, and that's the reality. No, it's a battle every time. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they're not prepared for battle. I don't know. It's just very disappointing that they're not pushing on. That's kind of the point I make. And for a Leinster Championship, you know, uh, for for everything that they're better than that they are now. And I don't know, they need, a, they need to look at themselves in the mirror. But then again, last year they needed to look themselves in the mirror. So when are they going to look at themselves in the mirror? And I don't know, maybe we need Ronan Sweeney and yourself, Johnny, to take them over. <laughs> there. Well, maybe. if it came to talking about it, we'd, we'd have a great team. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Division 3 North, lads, Derry are on four. They're guaranteed promotion. There are a whole lot of, uh, you know, mad results have to happen for that not to happen. They're on plus 35. Cavan are on two, Fermanagh are on two. Um, Cavan played Derry. Uh, this weekend so like I mean you know like uh, between Derry, Cavan and Fermanagh um, it looks like Longford Longford are gone so like I mean like I said Cavan and Derry are on television at 3 o'clock I mentioned Chrissy McCaig's gone in as a cornerback he's beside Brendan Rodgers now the two of them on a fullback line are as good as anywhere in the country um, I really like their midfield Connor Glass is back playing better this year um, from reading reports, he looked a very rusty player last year, but he was only back from the AFL. He's a big lump of a lad. He's maybe not like a Conor McKenna who can just hit the ground running. Emmett Bradley, a very direct, bloody good player in midfield. So they have a solid midfield, full back line. Like you mentioned, uh, Brendan McGuigan up front is in the very top tier of players. So they've, a, they've an awful lot going for them, Brendan. Yeah, you'd have to put McFall in there as well. Uh, well so yeah, just going back together, of course, there's uh, a lot to work with, but the mindset, the attitude and you need a lot of ingredients, I think, well, to push on to be a top team, right? You you need you need obviously you, you need a, a decent club uh, uh, structure and good club teams, which Derry have. So you need some finances, but you need the will of the county to be behind you. And just going back to what I was saying before, th- there is such an ingrained tough club championship there that it's stopped. It's it's taken over, and as the county went down, it played more into that. That as Derry dropped the divisions. Sure, what's the big thing about Derry then? You know, Derry were used to being up the top. Of course, we remember back the early 90s, all the ding-dongs with Donegal. Donegal won it in 92, they won it in 93. And Derry, many people said, should have won another one. They'd won a few leagues. They were right up there in the glory days. Very hard for a team to drop that far down uh, Well, they, with the talent they have. So for Rory Gallagher to be in there now and put the right things in place, you know, there, there were stories, I think, at the end of the year or the start of the year there, there was a bit of a fallout with... I think it was in the Lynn and, and I think Gallagher's very critical in there and was in was snapping at people and that's the word I was hearing back from the dairy camp, you know. He gives you the training, puts it up to you. But I guess he wants the, the right result. There was one or two guys who couldn't really handle that. But it looks like now he's got the momentum going the right way and a bit like we spoke about at the start of the show, Willie, you can't really energize a county until you start to bring back that bit of pride. So what comes first? It really up to the team to, to, to come together and to build up the county and pull it back and get everybody in. And, and Geller looks like he is doing that. And just going back to Ross Common there, I suppose, that was a tough uh, a tough wee league for them to go on. I feel for Longford as well. You know, you have Cavan in there, Ulster champions. You know, Fermanagh and Cavan just going down last year from Division 2. Uh, and you put a uh, rejuvenated Derry in there. So it was a tough, tough wee year for Longford there too. Yeah, no, and they're usually solid in Division 3. Division 3 South then, as we have Offaly on four points. Um, all they have to do is avoid defeat and they should be in the in the top two. Um, if Tipperary beat Offaly and Limerick beat Wicklow, which could easily happen, all three point, all three will be on four points. Offaly, Tipperary, Limerick. At the moment, Offaly are on plus six, Tipperary plus one, Limerick are on zero uh, score difference. So that's a fairly exciting group. Um, we'll see how that comes down. Offaly are playing good football, you know, bringing Niall McNamee on as the impact sub. Um, you get that age. But geez, Alan Brogan was on the show Monday. He was putting Ke- uh, Conor McManus as the impact sub. I was like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> of course, especially Alan Brogan turned into a, uh, an impact sub himself way too early. So I don't know yeah. what he was talking about. Uh, Division 4 North, 
This is probably the hardest division in in all of them, relatively. Antrim flying it on four points. They've already qualified. Loud and Sligo both on two. They play each other. It's a huge game, lads. Loud versus Sligo at home in Haggardstown. Obviously, Drogheda, I think, is under construction. This is on GEA Go for anyone who wants to watch it. Tony McEntee over Sligo has them moving fairly well. And obviously, Mickey Hart over Loud. They scored 19 points the last day. I was actually looking at this like because we obviously haven't seen loud and you'd be wondering how they're playing and if if uh if their their team is anything to to go by their half back line scored three points from play their midfield scored one their half forward line scored six from play and their full forward line scored nothing so that you can read into that johnny whatever you want about what kind of style they're playing <laughs> yeah well i suppose them stats well, there's, so, there's some days when you're when you're in the full forward lane, you, you end up being the supplier for whatever reason. So <laughs> it's obviously, uh, I don't know whether it's tactics or just one of those things that <laughs> that just happen on the day. But it's, it, it makes for interest. And it's, it's uh, look, at as you say yourself, it's relative. There's so much, you know, cutthroat business. There's excitement in every division. And, there is. You know, it's a pity well, how, that... It's, how can there not be after two games, well, re- realistically, yeah, yeah. you know? That's the thing. It's a pity we're not saying this after, you know, after six or seven games. But look at... It is what it is for this year, and uh, you know, but it, it, it's exciting, and, and you will be, you know, I'll I, I'll be I'll be at the game on on Sunday, and I'll be watching the phone to see who's going where or what's going, you know. So you've an interest in every in every division, which is which is what is the supporter wants too. Yeah, exactly. And then in the south, this is this is the weird one. There's only three teams in this lad, so Carlo were through. Carlo have only uh, they've beaten Waterford and then Waterford went and beat Wexford. So Carlo are playing Wexford in Dr. Cullen Park. You'd strongly fancy Waterford here, even though it's a local derby. Carlo are on two points, they've plus fifteen score difference. Waterford are on two and Wexford on zero. So I suppose Wexford would want to beat Carlo by fifteen points plus um, to have a chance to get the three teams on two points. Anyways, um, and actually there's only three teams and two of them go through. So it's a it's a strange one there. So listen, that's it, lads. That's all the divisions. Thanks very much. Um, we'll be back on Monday and we'll review all those games. There's obviously some brilliant games um, at the weekend and we'll review them all on Monday. So we'll talk to you all then. Good luck. But this little dink ball, the only one in a crowded area where it's a fist pass, the weight is taken over, hits the ground and it bounces into a fella's chest. Why do you not do many interviews? Oh, really? Yeah, I'm not being asked to do a whole pile. Really? Yeah. You ever rang me? And they're roaring at me, I coffee, you free state bastard. <laughs> and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands and the best part they're all about safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag hit up quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order that's quince.com upgrade when you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.